Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Again, I want to ask you, is your worship pleasing to God? Are you worshiping Him within that proper framework, the framework that the Scriptures give? Are you someone that is applying the authority of Scripture to your own worship experience? Are you attending a local congregation that their worship isn't worship that is biblically sound? It reflects the things of this world using lights and smoke and other things in order to attract people rather than to truly sanctify the Holy One of Israel, God Himself. We need to realize that worship is not about people. Worship is what people do in order to honor God, to glorify Him. Worship is why we were created, and worship is why Messiah entered into this world laid down his life, gave up of his blood, redeemed us in order that we could worship him in spirit and in truth. Take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Leviticus and chapter 10. This is where we were for our call to worship. And we're going to look in our study this evening at the first 11 verses. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Now, this account is also going to reappear in Leviticus chapter 16. And hopefully, you know that that 16th chapter is one of the most significant chapters in the book of Leviticus because it deals with a very important time, an appointed time known as Yom HaKippurim or the Day of Atonement. Many would say, that this is the most significant day upon the biblical calendar. And why is this account that we're going to study with the sons of Aaron, why is it repeated there? Well, we're talking about atonement. Atonement from sin. That's what Leviticus 16 is primarily dealing with. And what we find is this, that the most grievous sin is improper worship. Did you hear that? The most grievous sin is improper worship because it goes against why God made you and me, why he created humanity. And we see that, and this is going to be the primary teaching of this 10th chapter, improper worship brings about death. Remember that. This is to give the framework, the subject of what we're speaking about in this study, the seriousness that it deserves. Improper worship is a pathway to death. That was true 3,500 years ago. 
And it's true today as well. Look with me, if you would, to this 10th chapter, the book of Leviticus, and let's begin in verse 1. We read here, The sons of Aaron, they took. Now, who were the sons of Aaron? Remember, Aaron is the high priest. And his sons, he had more than two, but his sons, and specifically Nadav and Abihu, these two sons of Aaron, they took, and it says, each man took his censer, that is a fire pan. It was something that was used for worship in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. And what was it used for? We'll just keep reading. They placed upon them, upon these censers, they placed fire. This was the normal thing to do in order to make an incense offering to God. So at this time, everything's fine, but it's going to change quickly. Notice that it says, and they put upon it, meaning upon this fire pan, this censer, they put incense again. Up until this time, everything is fine, but we're going to learn something. And this is the problem. They are worshiping God where they want to worship Him. They have entered into a restrictive place. But nevertheless, they are going there anyway. Why? Because they want to do it. What we're finding is this improper worship is usually based upon the desires of the people, how we think God should be worshipped. Do not rely upon your own understanding. Worship must be done as a response, as an outcome of the instructions of God's word. So what did they do? They took their fire pans and they placed upon it fire. But before they did that, notice what it says, ketorit, incense. And they brought near before the Lord, meaning they came near before the Lord. They offered up before the Lord. And because they they took the incense that they wanted, notice what it says, esh, zara. Now, zara is the Hebrew word. It's feminine because fire, esh, fire is a feminine noun. And therefore, it must be modified with a feminine adjective. So they're offering up. You have to put fire to make incense. You have to use that fire pan, the censer. All of that's normal. What's the problem? The ketort, the incense that they place upon their censer. When they place fire upon it, it was not what God required. It was what they wanted to give him. That is what we're being taught. And notice what it says. And they offered up, they brought before God, they offered up before the Lord a strange fire. And by the way, that same word for strange fire, esh, zara. If we want to say idolatry, we say abudah, which is worship, zara. Same second word. It's a strange, it's a foreign, simply meaning it is not according to the instructions of the Word of God. It does not 
reflect something that God recognizes, that God acknowledges. And notice what happened when we worship God inappropriately. It says, they offered up before the Lord a strange fire, which he did not command them. So he didn't say bring this type of incense. And based upon the context and what we see later on in chapter 16, they were worshiping God at the location they ought not. And they were doing it in a way they ought not. A place, a timing, and with what? That God did not instruct. And therefore, notice what happens. They did so not according to what God had commanded them. And what happened? Look at verse 2. And fire went forth from before the Lord. He's the source of it. That's what the scripture is saying. Fire went out from before the Lord and devoured. It is the normal Hebrew word for eating. In this context, it is devour, devoured them. And they died, how? Before the Lord. Now, what were they doing? Well, they wanted to worship God. And we say, well, we should applaud them for that. But they were worshiping God where they wanted when they want it, and how they want it. Their worship was all about them. And learn this important principle. When we worship God our way, it does not glorify Him. It will not be recognized by Him. He won't receive it. And the outcome is going to be God's anger going forth against those who worship Him improperly. So again, Ask yourself, where I attend to worship God, are they truly worshiping God in a proper way? Or does their worship reflect more of the ways of the world? What man thinks is right in his own eyes. This is the problem with Nadav and Abihu. They were worshiping God but according to what made sense to them, what they thought was proper. And it brought about death unto them. They died before the Lord. Again, that emphasis before the Lord, he is a source of that. Look now to to verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, this is the verse we use for our call to worship tonight. And Moses said to Aaron, who, as we talked about, this is literally just one word it it is what the lord spoke saying when and this is the word that appears over and over it has to come it has to do with coming near to drawing near or offering and what we find is this the word can be translated both ways to draw near or to offer why because we never want to come near before God without an offering but here's the key an offering that he has commanded we don't give God what we want him to have what we would like to give him what we have uh, available that is not worship the scripture says do not appear before the Lord empty-handed Now, I don't talk a lot about uh, giving or tithing. It's important. I should probably talk much more about it. 
But I want to say very clearly that when we look at the Bible, we are called to be generous and obedient in our offering to Him. This is the problem with these two men. They gave God what they wanted to give to Him. And they did so when they wanted to give to Him and where they wanted to give to Him. And they are devoured by the anger of God. His fire, which represents His presence and His judgment, uh, caused them to be no more alive. Look again at verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, When they draw near, or when they offer up, and the implication is draw near to me or offer up to me, what will I be? He says, I will be sanctified. This word sanctified is from the same word holy. We know this word kadosh. Well, this is the term I will be. So we have the the A at the beginning of it. A kadesh. I will be sanctified. I will be recognized as holy. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And again, I said this for our call to worship, but I want to repeat. We need to worship God that recognizes his holiness. And holiness is related to the purposes of God. So is our worship fulfilling the purpose for worship? And who sets that purpose? God does. And does it glorify him? That word glory can also be honor. Are we truly honoring God, glorifying Him with our worship? And the only way that we can be assured is if we're doing it within the framework of Scripture, how the Word of God commands us. He says, and Aaron, look at the end of verse 3, Vayidom Aharon, and Aaron was silent. Now, why was he silent? Again, there's no disagreement in this interpretation from the scholars Aaron had just witnessed his two sons death meaning he was told in form he came and he saw Nadav and Abihu were slain by the fire of the Lord as judgment for insufficient disobedient rebellious worship and and now moses is speaking directly to aaron saying this is the situation god's going to be honored and glorified and recognized as holy by all those no exceptions all those who draw near to him all those who offer up something in order to worship him and the fact that aaron was silent tells us something See, if he would have mourned, if he would have cried, if he would have uh, done anything to show dissatisfaction with what happened, it would have been dishonoring to God. God did the right thing. It was proper. And this is a chapter in Israel's history that is well known. People know about Nadav and Abihu, these two individuals. They were priests sons of the high priests but they did not worship god correctly it doesn't matter who you are what pedigree what family you have if you don't worship god correctly 
it is going to be disastrous, the results. It is going to bring about death, physical and also spiritual. Look now to verse 4. And Moses called to Mishael and to El Safan, the sons of Uziel. And Uziel was the uncle of Aharon. And he said to them, same word, this word appears over and over in this text. Kirvu, again, draw near. Draw near and take up your brothers from before the sanctuary. Now, this is the word for the holy place. Take up your brothers from um, before the holy place. And the implication is, take them, bring them outside the camp, meaning the camp of Israel. Why? The camp of Israel is supposed to reflect life. Outside the camp represents death. Now, we see something that's, that's parallel to that. If you look at the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, we see the camp of the saints. But outside, and Messiah spoke of this many times, he says those who are cast out outside, it's a double redundancy. Outside, outside is what it literally says. Outside are those who are going to be in eternal fear, in eternal sadness, and in eternal torment. That's what's outside the camp. And it reflects here, outside the camp, death and that which is unclean. Look on. We see here in verse 5, and they drew near these two individuals, and we're talking about Saphan and Mishael. They, they drew near, and they lifted up them by their tunics, and they did so by taking them outside the camp, just as Moses spoke. Now, what we're finding here is that people are being obedient to the instructions of Moses. They went in and removed them. Well, this is not where they should be, but because they are putting things in order. What we see here is an image of restoration. And that's what we need to receive, restoration. Many people have been worshiping God incorrectly for a long time. They're not doing it in light of the scriptural admonitions, the scriptural revelation. They're doing what is right in their eyes. And they may have the best intentions, but they're not utilizing the Word of God. In fact, more and more we see, for example, in Bible teaching, some of the most popular teachers today, they use more than the authority of Scripture, they use emotion. And it's a manufactured emotion. Obviously, many times we encounter the Word of God and it brings emotion. That's fine. But when we try to manipulate people in making them feel in a certain way, having these emotions, getting them excited, getting them emotional for the sake of our, our message, 
This is not what the one who is teaching God's word should, should have as an objective. So they use emotion, they tell the story, and they tell a biblical story in a way that really distorts and they make it humorous rather than making it accurate. One of the things that I like to do is repeat scripture over and over. Begin it, talk about it, go back to it, read that same passage again, maybe read a little bit more and then go back because the truth is not in my words. The truth is in the scripture. These words, Bible words, are anointed, not the words of man. Scripture, all scripture, is God-breathed, meaning inspired by God. It's for correction and, and reproof and instruction that we might be equipped for what? Every good work. So we need to realize that that teaching of the Word of God is part of worship. Worship is being confronted with God's Word and allowing the anointing of God's Word to, to touch people, not how we say it, and trying to manipulate them into feeling something. We don't know what they should feel, but the Spirit of God does. Look again, verse, verse 6. And Moses said to Aaron and to El Azar and to Etamar, his sons. So now we see two sons are dead, but two sons are still alive. El Azar and Etamar, two additional sons of Aaron. And it says here, your heads do not, and probably the best way for that to be translated is uncover. Now, it has to do with a word that speaks of disorder, causing something to be perhaps untied, unbound, not in an appropriate way something that is out of order so he says here let's read it very carefully your heads do not uncover and your your garments shall not be torn why well if you come into this place in a disorderly manner what does he say he says if you do that's what nadav and abihu did and they were devoured but if you come in with your head proper and your your clothes not torn he says you will not die and also unto all the congregation and this means witnesses all the witnesses there will not be and the implication is anger or wrath upon god now what it tells us is this when the leaders are not doing their work properly, the people suffer. A very simple principle derived from this text. When the leaders are not doing their work according to the structure that the Word of God gives, the people are going to experience the anger of God. And this word for anger is the same word, the root, for we get the, the modern Hebrew word for like whipped cream. And it's a froth. And we've seen animals, for example, that get angry and they begin to froth at the mouth. And this is the image here for anger and anger. 
that has uh, strong emotional feelings within it. One of almost out of control. Now, God is never out of control, but that's the image that's being conveyed here by this strong word for anger and wrath. And your brothers, all the house of Israel, it says they will cry. And it says here, and the fire which the Lord will will burn forth. So it says here, if you don't correct this worship, if you don't do it properly, it's going to have an adverse effect upon the children of Israel. And they're going to weep and they're going to experience this same type of judgment, this fire going forth. Now, it's not the word esh, which is fire, but it's a word that speaks about fire burning, fire being present in a situation. And now look at verse verse 7. And from the door of the tent of the meeting, do not go forth lest you die. Now, what it's saying is this, don't be distracted. When you are at work, when you are doing the work, first at the tabernacle, then later on when the temple came into being, when you were in this call, this mishmerit, as later on the Bible speaks of that, and also in the book of Exodus, the priest had a rotation. It's called in Hebrew mishmerit. And when they were in that rotation, For that period of time, they could not be distracted by anything. Nothing was more important than what they were doing. It signifies that God, God comes first. So look at verse 7. And from the entrance of the tent of the meeting, don't go forth lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you you have been anointed to serve him and nothing is more important than that service do not be distracted do not give something other than worship your attention if you do it brings about god's anger and god's judgment and death and it says that they did according to the word of moses Now, what's good here is that Moses is acting as one. Having received instruction from God, revelation from God, he is instructing on how to put things in order, how to bring about restoration so the people can worship God and benefit from worshiping him. And let me remind you, there are numerous benefits from worshiping God. Worshiping God brings about a godly change in one's life. Worshiping God gives us a different perspective. Through worship, we we see things from God's vantage point. So it's when we are worshiping God, drawing near to Him, that worship will change us, change us inwardly and outwardly, our behavior our thoughts our perspective we will have greater discernment we will be better equipped to serve him all of these are benefits from worshiping god verse 8 and the lord spoke to aaron saying wine and strong drink do not drink 
you, he's the high priest. Or your sons, the other priests who are with you. When you enter into the tent of the meeting and you will not die. Now, we have to be careful because not always when God says you will not die, it doesn't necessarily mean if they do that, they will. But from within this context, I believe in this case, it is a reasonable conclusion that when we disregard the instructions of God, there is going to be a serious outcome. So he says, wine and strong drink. When you enter into the tent of the meeting, this appointed place at the appointed time, he says, do not drink these things lest you die, meaning in this case, so that you will not die. For this is, and again, chukat olam lidoratechem, a eternal statue. And remember, we've talked about this before, that this word eternal, well, we don't have a tabernacle today. There's no temple. We don't have a functioning priesthood. There is no worship going on in a Torah-observant manner in Jerusalem or anywhere else, for that matter, according to the Torah instructions. Now, we can worship God. We can worship God in spirit and truth. Do so where I am in Israel. Do so perhaps where you are in whatever nation you are. And we can do it in a way that's pleasing to God. But there is no Torah-based worship in the world today. There is no temple. It cannot be done. And what the scripture is saying, look very carefully. Verse verse uh, uh, 9, where it says, Wine and drink, strong drink, do not drink. You and your sons who are with you, when you enter into the tent of meaning that you will not die, for this is an eternal statue. Now, I would suggest, and I've shared this with you before in other messages, this word olam, eternal, speaks about a kingdom standard. And what am I referring to? This is something that teaches us about kingdom worship right now. We're supposed to be engaging in kingdom worship. That's what we're called to be. We're members of the kingdom. We have been born again. We have been created anew, regenerated. We are a kingdom creation. Therefore, we should worship within the framework, the structure of the kingdom of God. And therefore, the same principle is applicable to us, that we ought not worship God having drank or, or for that matter, anything that is against the prohibitions of the Lord. Verse, verse 10. Now, verse 10 tells us an outcome of, of right worship. The priests are being called to worship God properly and lead the children of Israel to do so. For what purpose? Well, I mentioned when we worship God properly, we will have discernment. We will have a different perspective, God's perspective, his vantage point. And let me show you where that's taught to us in this passage. Look at verse 10. When we worship God based upon the instructions of his word, we will be able to discern between 
holy and that which is common or profane. That which is kadosh and that which is whole. Two different words. One having to do with the purposes of God and the other that does not reflect the purposes of God. In order to distinguish between the holy and the profane, between the impure and the pure. That's what worship does. It gives us a perspective so that we can discern. And how do the rabbinical commentators understand this? Worship gives us insight, gives us a perspective for discerning the will of God. Now, these words are important. Holy represents the purpose of God. Whole represents the ways of man. And then we see two other words, tamay and tohor. Tamay is that which God will not bless. Tohor is what is an invitation to receive God's blessing that invites him, bless me. So we need to know God's will so that we can live in a way that we receive God's blessing. What is this telling us? Right worship positions us to be blessed by God. And improper worship positions us to be judged by God. That which God does not uh, bless, what's the other possibility? Judgment. The word is kalal, which is a word for curse. Now let's look at our last verse tonight, verse 11. And to instruct. Now we see a third benefit from worshiping, and that is that it gives us revelation that we can share. Let me say it another way. Godly worship will give to a person the, the understanding of the instructions of God that he's able to share and convey with others. This is the only way that you can interpret verse 11. What does he say? Speaking to the priests, worship me correctly in order that you can instruct now, this word for instruct is the same root for the word Torah, that you'll be able to instruct the children of Israel concerning all the statutes which the Lord spoke unto them through the hand of Moses, meaning that you will have an understanding of the instructions that Moses received. And Moses received it with authority that means with power and what's the implication here when we receive the instructions of god we understand how to utilize them then we too are going to receive that same power it says literally bayad moshe through the hand hand is synonymous with with power and therefore worship gives us the power to carry out the revelation of God. First to know it, to have the discernment, and otherwise to carry it out. Again, right worship, wonderful benefits. But when we are foolish, when we are prideful, when we want to worship God how we want to worship Him, where, with what, and at the time that we choose, let me share with you, that is a recipe for disaster. Worship 
has so much potential for us to bring about godly change, godly revelation, godly insight, discernment, and perspective, but only if we do it according to the instructions of the Lord. Well, I'll close with that until next week when we carry on in the second half of this 10th chapter of Leviticus. Until then, shalom. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.